get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking out District 4, week in, week out. Brandon Bainey joined by Yeller Man. The boss. <laughs> this is in my office, and my I bring my girls to uh, my office once in a while, my little girls. And uh, they saw that, and they decided to add an ES. So they're oh. bosses, because they, right. they are now, you know, we know who the real bosses are when you have kids. They, they are uh, bosses in training. Yeah, so I have that on my shelf just to remind me who's really in charge around here, and it ain't me. That's that's funny. So, again, um, we're, we're breaking out everything in District 4 week in, week out on this podcast. You can get audio only at IdahoSports.com and wherever you download your podcasts. Video version as well. If you want to see what Scott's little boss nameplate thing looked like um you can do that at idahosports.com's youtube channel or facebook page or you can see it like i'm wearing glasses today because uh my contacts just didn't want to cooperate so scott do you wear are you are you one of those guys that has good vision you don't need any enhancements or anything um well it's funny because you know i'm i'm uh 52 years old and i got lasik surgery like in 99, like when it first came out. So I was like, was, was some dude in the back of an El Camino in a butter knife and in some alley. And he's like, dude, I think I can pull this off. And I got it done and it worked. But, you know, as I get older, it, uh, you know, I, I can see things, uh, pun intended there. I can notice things not quite the same. You know, so that third eye that you have right there, I, I don't think it's really there. I think that's my eyes going bad again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our boss, Paul Kingsbury, uh, got LASIK surgery last yep. year. And um, the one thing he didn't realize is it didn't correct his short term, his short range vision. And so when he's broadcasting a game now and he's looking down at his roster, he's got to go like this. You know, yeah. And it's funny because <laughs> that I went in for um, an eye check, you know, just and. I, I noticed that, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not there yet. I can still, I can still read. Right. Um, but I thought, you know what, what people get the touch up all the time. You know, I mean, as time goes on, I mean, I've been going on 23 years or whatever. And, you know, when I woke up and got it done, I mean, I was 2010 the next day. I mean, it was a game changer, you know, and then, you know, over the course of time, it kind of fizzles out and you might need a touch up, but my eye doctor told me, said, you know, Hey, if you can still read right now, don't touch it. But the minute your reading goes, okay, go get your touch up. Because if you touch it up now, you're going to lose your, your reading. You know, so it's like, okay, all right. So I'm hanging on right now. No touch-ups. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need the readers yet. So I kind of feel once I put those on, I'm just putting me out to pasture. That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> it's like you're a coach and it's your timeouts. So you want to try and hoard them for the end of the uh the end of the game. You don't want to burn yeah. it too early. <laughs> right. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. All right. Well, um, it, so 99 was when you got your LASIK surgery. It wasn't quite 99, but it's, it's been a long time since the Wendell boys soccer team Ooh. beat the community school from nice. sun Valley. Um, a seven year losing streak snapped this past weekend. I thought it was by far the biggest story of the weekend in the magic Valley. Oh yeah, no question. A nice segue, by the way. I kind of wondered how you were going to tie all that together, but you're you're a pro, man. You get it done. That's right. Um, yeah, this was a huge win for the program. I mean, these are the kind of wins that just catapult you t- 
to the next level. And they really put a lot of energy into your season, you know, and it brings teams together. You know, this was a, a, a game that really kind of tested the mettle of, of, of Wendell because, you know, they were not always in control of that game. I mean, they jumped out, community school came back, tied it up. And that was the point right there that you were going to go one way or another. If you were a Trojan, you were either going to find a way to get it done or you were going to hang your head and say, you know what, here we go again. But they didn't. And that was the turning point to the soccer season for this school is they found a way to get it done against somebody that they haven't beaten in, well, these kids' careers ever. And so what a, what a huge win for that program. Yeah, seven-year losing streak snapped with a 3-2 to two victory. And you look at the standings right now in boys' soccer in the High Desert Conference. It is Wendell alone at the top. They are 7-0 and this year, Scott, and it's all been in conference. So they're 7-0 and overall, 7-0 and in the conference. The cutthroats are right there. They're 6-1 and overall, 5-1 and in league. They had one non-conference game against Weezer that we touched on last week on the prep cast. So it, it's certainly looking like those two teams – could be headed on a collision course, and they meet up for the second time at the Sun Valley Community School on October 3rd, second to last game of the regular season. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. Oh, yeah, no kidding. And and if things are going the way that they're going, there's going to be a lot riding on that game too. you know. And, uh, yeah, if you are a fan of soccer, man, go watch that game. Those are two really good programs with you know a storyline behind them. And so with October – Second, is that what you said? Yes. Okay, up at the community school. Yep, uh, community school. October 3rd, actually. Oh, 3rd, okay. Monday the 3rd. If, if anyone shows up on the 2nd, that's a Sunday. There won't be anybody there, so. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yep. yep. Okay. So, so that, I mean, what a big deal. And, and Wendell's kind of going through this renaissance right now of their football team's been awesome. Boys and girls soccer, both excellent as well. So it's really nice to see um, nicely done by the Trojans. Um, let's talk volleyball real quick. Jerome hosted the, the Jerome Invitational last week. We kind of previewed it on last week's podcast. You said that uh, it was scaled back a little bit because you didn't have that second gym like you normally do. But uh, mm-hmm. Scott, you were there. You saw pretty much everything from sun up to sundown. What, what did you see? I saw a lot of volleyball that day <laughs> and we had, we had a really good time. Um, you know, the, the thing about when you put tournaments together is you're just hoping that there's not these massacres, you know, to where you just have a team that just doesn't compete and it's blowouts and whether it's volleyball, basketball, whatever tournament you put together, this particular tournament went really, really well in that respect because there were so many close close games. We had an 18 field, an eight team field, not 18. And, uh, and all the games were really, really close competitive. And so many of them could have gone the other way and coming out on top, we had pool play. And then we had a, a gold bracket and a bronze bracket. And out of the bronze bracket, you know, we saw the Jerome lady tigers come away with the winner of the bronze bracket. They kind of found their strike and got it done. On the gold bracket, the championship bracket, the Weezer Wolverines emerged and they beat Gooding in the final. And uh, that was, those were really close games. Gooding could have had any of those, uh, but Weezer came out on top. And funny story, um, hang on. <laughs> 
Live okay. podcasting. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is this is the trophy that was won by Weezer. I want you to notice something here. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. Now here's the story. Um, so we were starting the, uh, the the brackets, right? And I bring the big trophy down from my office and and uh, kind of put it on display at the table, totally protected, so we thought. Um, and it's also the visual, you know, as you're starting the, the play, you get to see the trophy and, you know, and every once in a while you kind of glance out, I want that trophy, right? Well, there was a young lady from Gooding uh, who was playing in, I think it was the semifinal match or whatever. And uh, her name is Maddie Morris. And, uh, and I got permission from her coach to, and well, it's funny, get, there's so many things happening right now because Maddie hit the ball that came over to the scorers table and broke the trophy. Okay. So everybody's like, Oh no, the trophy's broken. What are we going to do? And, and uh, I'm like, Oh no, that's awful. Ah, crap. What, what's going to, what are we going to do now? Well, just a little while later, Maddie spills her drink on the floor. On the, on the bench, but it goes out onto the floor. And this is when I learned that it was the same girl that broke the trophy that spilled a drink. All of a sudden she is on a roll right now. And, uh, and so I, you know, being the tournament manager guy, I run to the, to the janitor's closet and I get a mop and I'm out, you know, and I walk out onto the floor um, and they're all just kind of waiting for me. And I bypass the spill and I walk right up to Maddie and I hand her the mop. <laughs> <laughs> and she just kind of laughed and she took it and started walking to her spill. And I now I got it. I got it. And uh, so I'm down on my hands and knees after I mop drying it up. And, and I've got Gooding's bench right in front of them. And there was about four of them that said, is this going to be on the podcast? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Dang right. It's going to be on the podcast. And so uh, we had a lot of fun with that and uh, just, teased Maddie. She was a great sport about it. We laughed it all off, but she broke our trophy, spilled her drink. And now I got to go get the trophy fixed and then took time out to, uh, spill, you know, clean up her mess. And, um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, we had a, we had a great time. And then when we presented the trophy at the end of Weezer, um, they knew what was going on. And so, um, I'm, I'm on the mic presenting the trophy in parts <laughs> and said, you know, Hey, uh, Weezer, you know, if you want to, you know, take this trophy and, and pose with some pictures, hold it together. I don't know if anybody's got any chewing gum. I don't know. You can have fun with this, picture it up. And when you're done, give it back to me. I'll get it fixed and I'll get it mailed to you. So, and Weezer had a blast with it. They took it out and they were holding it together. And some of them were kind of goofing around with it and they were all taking pictures and, and it was such a, a fun, fun tournament and a, and a great time. Uh, but uh, that was kind of the funny story behind some of it. Well, uh, and, and again, if you want to see that trophy, uh, just check out the video version of this podcast. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Uh, hold that up one more time. Yeah. 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 So and, and I was pretty proud of the trophy too, you know? Yeah. That is that's like, a, that's, that's a, a good looking trophy, a tremendous looking trophy for sure. Yeah. Um, well, no wonder Gooding lost bad juju after you break the trophy. I mean. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Uh, but, yeah. but for Gooding, that was good for them. You know, we're talking about Magic Valley sports. I mean, that was good for Gooding because they had one of the better players out. 
and they were kind of slumping a little bit before the tournament. And they they kind of found their stride a little bit and played some really good volleyball, battling Weezer in that championship game. And Weezer is no slouch. They have some girls that can flat out swing. Definitely. And uh, speaking of Gooding, you know, they're uh, four and three overall, two and one in league play. Kimberly is the overwhelming favorite right now. Kimberly has kind of ping ponged between number two and number one in the three A coaches poll all year with Sugar Salem. Kimberly is five and oh, two and oh in the conference. Sugar's had a real tough time reporting all their scores. I think is costing them because there's been a couple of weeks where Kimberly has leapfrogged Sugar Salem because they're not reporting their scores. Um to us so i I, but kimberly obviously very talented it'll be interesting to see you know when they match up with gooding again and filer always is tough you know they've had a down year a little bit by their standards but um they're a team to keep an eye on as well so kimberly won the first matchup with gooding three nothing in a sweep they will play again uh next wednesday the 21st of september so we'll keep an eye on that volleyball matchup as well but kimberly and gooding both playing really well um as a tournament manager scott you are in charge of mopping up the floor when there's a spilled drink you're in charge of uh getting the trophy and and getting the teams and all that you're also responsible for officials and that's going to kind of transition into the larger topic we wanted to tackle this week we've been kind of putting this together for the past couple of weeks behind the scenes and i think now is the time to, to bring it out and that is there's an officiating crisis not just in the state of Idaho, not, not just in the Magic Valley, but the state, not just in the state, but the region, and not just in the region, but the entire country. States from coast to coast are running into this problem where the officiating pool is getting older and older in age, and as more people retire, there's nobody younger to come and take the mantle, and it's for a number of different reasons, so we just wanted to kind of dive into it and explore what is going on because it's to the point now where it's affecting schedules where games and matches are getting moved all the time. And eventually I think it's going to really hurt the younger levels, the freshman JV sophomore level type games where they say, get your own officials and you figure it out. Yeah. It, it, it is such a multi-layered, lots of moving parts in this argument too, or this discussion rather, but uh, th- there is a lack of officials and it is, it is hurting our ability to schedule games, uh, to keep our sports going. And, you know, and what it does is it, it really kind of makes a lot of kids and coaches disinterested in getting involved because the games are so volatile sometimes in a couple of different ways. And we'll get to some of that here in a minute, but over the course of the last week or so, I've, I've had some great conversations with commissioners of different sports and ask them their thoughts on it, you know, because they're on the front line scheduling all of these officials. They know why officials are leaving. They know why officials are not coming to them. And so the the answers I got from all of them were really, really interesting. But, you know, there were some common threads. And when you think about lack of officials, the number one thing that everybody says is the parents. You know, I mean, they are tired of getting yelled at by parents and fans. And it's just, it's to the point to where it's not fun. It's, you know, the, it's, it's sucking the fun right out of it, you know? And, and if you go to any game, you would be hard pressed to, to watch a game where you don't see a fan or fans absolutely lose their minds over something you know, 
and it's embarrassing. It's it it's it's embarrassing for the town that they live in. It's embarrassing for their kids if they have kids that are playing, because there's my dad acting like a complete buffoon up on the stands, and I'm supposed to focus on the game. You know, that's the number one thing that everybody I talked to said about the lack of officials is the the, the behavior of parents and whatnot. And you know, the funny thing is, and, and this was such a noticeable thing for me because COVID has changed everything, you know, in, in a lot of different ways. And I thought coming out of COVID because we were so restricted with fans um, that first year back where we had limited people in the gyms, it was, it was glorious. I mean, it really, it really was. You didn't get the experience of the crowd and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's something to be said there, and that's not what you um, hang on. Live podcast, folks. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and what you didn't get um, was all of the, the bickering and the yelling. And so I thought, you know what, coming out of that, when we got everybody back together, everybody would be so appreciative of taking that time away that they would be more behaved. Well, that has not been the case. And that really shocked me because I remember going to that first state basketball tournament um, broadcasting and we were doing the 4A, 4A girls tournament and we had some crowds behind us. And there was one particular school that their fans were so bad that I, I, I had to stop off air and, and talk to my broadcast partner. So I've never seen anything like this. I mean, just the behavior, the stuff that they were yelling, it was so personal uh, to officials. And I'm thinking, okay, write it off, write it off. Two weeks later, I do the boys state tournament. Same thing happened. I've never seen anything like it. And so these fans and parents are behaving like children. And they are driving good officials and good people away from sports. That's the number one thing. Now, there are other things that play into it, of course, but that's the number one thing that came up on everybody's radar. Yeah, and I know what school you're talking about. I'm not going to say it, but I will say that I also have done a game of theirs, uh, and there it was a basketball game, and there was some John going back and forth between the two teams on the court. It was a really intense game, mm -hmm. and basically uh, the, the best player from the opposing team uh, went up for a shot and got fouled and, and fell to the floor. And a, a fan from that school that you and I are both talking about yelled and stay down. And I was appalled when I heard that. I was like, that's, that's a 17 year old athlete. Like, and so it's, it's also, it goes hand in hand with coaches. Yeah. That's why nobody wants to coach anymore. No, well. you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, everybody is an expert, you know, everybody knows all the rules. Everybody knows exactly how it's supposed to be played. And every parent has a D1 athlete on the floor or the field, you know, and you, you look at the lack of filter that that people have these days. I, I think really you can tie that into the society that we live in with social media. I mean, with with a, a constant platform right at your fingertips, you don't need to think about what you say anymore. You, and we post whatever online we we have no boundaries. We say whatever we want. And, and I think that mindset sometimes is kind of creeping its way into real life and our interactions live with real people is that we don't have a filter. We'll say whatever the heck we want to say when we feel it. 
driven by emotion, not driven by logic. And nobody stops to think anymore. All they do is react. And, and that is the world that we're living in right now. And it, it's absolutely disgusting on a lot of levels because it's ruining a lot of great things. Yeah, I wasn't even going to bring this up, but we kind of segued into it. I got an email last night from a fan, uh, and I, I assume they're from Skyline. I don't know. But they were talking about how uh, we tuned into the the Burley Shelley broadcast, and all your announcers kept talking about it. That was a game we did on IdahoSports.com. By the way, Burley, 3-0, looking good. Gatlin Bear, another awesome game. He had the game-winning touchdown. It was the number one play of the week, uh, depending on who you talk to. Um, but they said your announcers just talked the whole time about how Gatlin Bear is the best recruit in the state of Idaho. And and that's not true. Kenyon Sadiq is. And Bear's not even ranked in the top 70 for the class of 22 and 22-23. And you guys worship him. And I, I emailed back and I said, well, first of all, you're right. Kenyon Sadiq is the number one player in the class of 23 because Gatlin Bear is in the class of 24. That's why he's not showing up on your top 70 <laughs> list. He's a junior. Yeah. And if you look, him and Kenyon Sadiq are right there. And I said, can't we just agree that both players are awesome? Why do you have to tear down one athlete to prop up another? But you're right. This is he got on the computer. I don't know who this person is. Fired mm -hmm. off an email. There was a lot of grammatical errors, but uh, basically I emailed back and said, Hey, thanks for watching the game. Um, I said, you know, we we're going to have Burley Minico again this week. So tune in uh, if you want to, or if you want to hear announcers talk about Kenny and Sadiq and how great he is, we're also doing the skyline game and you're free to tune into that as well. So <laughs> and yeah, I basically it, left it there. You know, and it's funny because we, as, as coaches have always had since the beginning of time, the 24 hour rule, right? So if you agreed or disagreed with something, you had an issue, whatever, you had to wait 24 hours. And that is where you let the emotions subside and logic to kick in. Well, even though we still have that 24-hour rule where parents and, and fans or whatever are not allowed to contact anybody, that doesn't stop them from doing exactly that, from firing off an email or getting on social media and just blasting whatever. Because, you know, you look at the things that get posted I would be willing to bet that the majority, vast majority are all negative. I mean, nobody, nobody calls over a manager at a restaurant to, to talk about how great things were. They, they called him over to complain. You know, nobody gets online to post things about a game so much if it's not something negative or a critique of some kind. That is just the world that we're living in. Everybody's negative. I mean, I think we're, we're kind of wired that way in a way, but at the same time, when you give us this platform of social media with with not the ability to think at all and just react and be emotional, man, this is bad stuff that's happening. And so going back to our officials, yeah, I mean, this is who we are now. We just sit there in the stands and we react. We don't think. And what we forget sometimes is these officials, they are people, too, you know, they're going to go home to their families. They are going to go home to their kids that they don't get to see because they're making $50 doing a game, right? And they also have to understand, too, that a lot of those families of these officials support. They show up to, you know, be there for their husbands and wives and whatever they're officiating, and they get to listen. Their families get to listen to that crap getting spewed by fans that think they know everything. And that's why I'm the yeller man today, because that is who we are becoming in the stands. And that's, like I said, the number one thing that everybody has come back to me and said.
is the fans. Now there's other things too that we'll talk about, but that's number one. Yep. Last point. Uh, when I was in high school, I umpired little league baseball in the small Montana community I grew up in. And to the point, I mean, our, our town's small enough that I knew most of the coaches and knew where they worked and, and they would, they would get on me. I'm a high school kid out there getting Mm -hmm. paid 10 bucks a game or whatever it was to ump this little league baseball. And I would always, I would always turn to the coach and go, Troy, you work down at the hardware store, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to show up tomorrow and yell at you the whole time. You're trying to do your job about how much you suck at it. Okay. Sound good. Like, but the, I mean, yeah. that's really what it is, right? It, it is. And and the, what they don't understand is that the, this is the second thing. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why we don't have officials, but another thing was that they're not getting paid enough to take that kind of abuse, you know? And so they're not getting paid to be yelled at. They're not getting paid to be away from their families for an entire night. You know, I mean, everybody has day jobs. And so they go to their day jobs. And then as soon as that's over, they're gone to a game. And a lot of times, depending on where it is, they don't get home until late. So they they're sacrificing time with their families, you know. And so you're going to you're going to ask these officials to to weigh. okay, my little pay to get yelled at. And to be away from my family, what what choice are you going to make? You know, because really, it's just like coaching. A, fish, a good official, they don't do it for the money. They do it because they love the sport. They love the game. They love the kids. They love being around it. And that's the same thing with coaching. But even now, we're driving those kinds of people out, you know. Um, and it's sad. And another thing that kind of came up, too, was uh, the lack of – and I found this part really interesting – was is a lot of officials are a little intimidated because they, they don't know all the rules. Well, I mean, my gosh, there's a ton of rules in every single sport and they get training, but here comes the human element again, right? They're going to make a mistake. And people put these officials on some kind of weird pedestal as if they are not allowed to make a mistake. But I'll tell you what, every mistake they made, they hear about it time and time and time again over and over and over again to the point where all of a sudden now they're distracted because they're not focused on the game they're focused on little jimmy's dad in the stands acting like a maniac you know and they're they're not dialed in like they should be we don't give officials a pass on a bad call you know we don't and the rule thing popped up in a lot of my conversations well you know funny thing is maybe maybe all coaches and parents ought to take a rules test before they open their mouths, right? And because so many times they are complaining about something that if you understood the game, there's like, dude, shut up, man. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And so, again, you can see the multi-layers of this whole discussion. Yeah, I mean, the classic cliche in ba- is basketball, over the back, over the back. There's no such thing as over the back. That's not That doesn't exist anywhere in the rule book, so. <laughs> right. But you hear yeah, it yelled no, about it's, five it's times so, a game. So, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and that is so true. It's just like they have to take a rules test to be an official, right? They have to understand, but it's a constant learning curve. You know, they're not going to be great right away, just like anything. You know, you try any new skill, you are not going to be the best right away, you know, and you may never get to that point, but you're always going to learn and get better. Just like your job, 
um, and everything else that we do, you know, so um, rules were a big one. Um, the, the time away from family and job and whatever is another one. Um, and pay was another one as well. And that one's an interesting one too, because, you know, you look at officials pay and I don't think there, you can pay officials enough. You just, you just can't for what they are trying to do, what they're being forced to, you know, endure. But the problem is the people that fit the bill for the officials of the schools, schools pay officials and schools don't have any money. And so we are trying to find different revenue streams to pay these officials out of our gate because the basic revenue for an athletic program is going to be gate and it's going to be like activity cards. And really that's about it. I mean, unless you have other different streams of revenue, that's it. But what's happening is that the officials get a pay raise. They all got a pay raise as deservedly. So the problem that a lot of activities directors are having is just like, how do we pay them? We know they're worth it, but we can't afford it. And so now you've got this, this cycle that is just, I don't know, it's not sure which direction it's going, but we know the value of good officials. We got to find a way to pay them and schools don't have the money. So we are now all trying to explore different ways to get it done. Okay. And, and don't, don't mistake that for saying that we don't need to pay officials because we certainly do. Well, it's it, everybody needs to be paid more because of where we're at right now as a country, as a society. I mean, the stock market has taken a bath. The price of eggs is up 37% because of inflation. Mm -hmm. Everything costs more. And so, therefore, people – and it, this goes back to the officials deciding, is it worth my time? Is yeah. it worth my – you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be struggling to buy groceries and – all of that anyways, I might as well spend the time with my family as opposed to going to work and be an official. And so I agree. Let me ask you, how feasible, how realistic is it for the governing body of Idaho, the IHSAA, to have a fund that goes to paying officials instead of leaving it up to schools? Because, you know, a school like Castle Ford, which doesn't have very many people, period, you know, they're going to draw less fans than a Bishop Kelly just because of the population. So how, I mean, how do they counteract that? I, you know, that's a good question, you know, and, and it just seems like there's getting more and more things thrown at schools and athletics and activities. I mean, the shot clock is another great example. Okay. Yeah. Everybody wants a shot clock. Well, who in the heck's going to pay for it? You know, we, we have to buy these things. We have to pay for them, pay to get them installed, pay new workers that we don't have to do all this. So yeah, it sounds great, but where's the money coming from, you know? And that kind of goes to the same thing with officials and depending on where your school is at and the population that you're talking about, yeah, your gate receipts aren't going to be huge, you know? And it, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. Perhaps the IHSA can step in and, and take some of that money that they, they allocate back to schools into another pool of officials to help us out with those costs or help us out with the shot clock that they're making us put in, you know? I mean, we cannot keep shouldering more responsibility because we don't have the revenue. Now we're gonna have to figure it out. And, and I would say 
before a shot clock, before anything else, we've got to make sure we take care of our officials. And so that that's number one. Um, we'll, we'll find a way to get it done. We have to pass the hat, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the crowd, hey, help us pay for officials. And so be it. But we're going to get it done. We're going to find a way to do it because these people are valuable to us. It would be nice if we did have some help, though. Yes. And and so now schools are having to get creative with how they, they schedule. You have to be willing to move your, your game a night or two, depending on what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, we really saw it during like baseball and softball season. It seemed like with umpires, especially. Um, and then you have to also, for example, two weeks ago, Oakley, their football team played Kendrick right in that neutral site game in Cambridge. Uh-huh. Originally it was a six o'clock kickoff. Well, all of a sudden, our pool of officials over there in district three, we don't have enough to cover the night. Can you guys move your game up to four? So our officials can go somewhere else close by when the game gets over to do a second game that night. They said, sure, we can do that. We'll, we'll kick off at four last week up North uh, Clearwater Valley, or excuse me, uh, Mullen St. Regis uh, was supposed to play Kootenai. Well, Kootenai's got low numbers. So they dropped out. They picked up a game with Deary, but then they got to find officials. And so, they came to an agreement and said, well, what if we met halfway in Wallace and we played at three o'clock and then Wallace plays at seven o'clock and it's a double header and the same officiating crew can do two games in a row. And so I, I guess that's kind of what I've seen with, with the smaller mm-hmm. schools is they get creative and, and say, let's, let's stack it. Let's do a double header. Let's move our game up early. So these crews can go do a second game. Right. No. And, and you see that kind of stuff happening all over the place. And, uh, what you're doing is you're spreading your officials out so thin that burnout starts to kick in, you know, and they've, they've got to find a way. We, we have to find a way to get more officials and keep them hungry and keep them wanting to be there. You know, um, there's always a, a difference between wanting to and having to, you know, you, you need these officials to want to officiate, not have to officiate, you know, and if we can get to that point, man, it's back to where it was 20 years ago, you know, where people did show up and we had an abundance of officials. You know, we have a football game coming up here in a couple of weeks that we don't have enough officials for it. So we're bringing in district three officials, um, district three or five, but they're not here because there's too many games going around and we just don't have it, you know? So, you know, we got to figure something out, but I think the number one thing that we have to do is we have to behave ourselves in the stands. Uh, That is number one. Um, If if we can't do that, then the rest of the reasons that we talked about, they won't matter. How will this impact the younger levels going forward? Freshman basketball, JV football games. Will those just go away? If it's like, if we only have a finite amount of resources, we're only going to focus on the varsity. You know what? If if it gets to that point, something is has to give, and the the levels that are going to suffer are going to be the younger kids. And if those younger kids suffer, then what good is that doing for our varsity teams? You know, junior highs are already in trouble when it comes to officials because you know they're not being taken care of under that umbrella of high school officials because there's not enough to go around. You know, and so there a lot of middle schools are forced to go get their own um, certified, non-certified, whatever to, to help officiate games, you know, and, and another thing to, to consider too, is the fact that depending on what sport you're doing, the level of intimacy of the crowd on top of you 
dictates a lot of that as well. You know, you are a little bit more removed in football and you can't hear as much, but basketball, holy crap, they are right on top of you. Um, baseball, generally a very quiet stadium. You hear everything. Volleyball, they're on top of you. You know, so that level of intimacy you have with the fans, certain sports are suffering a little bit more than others. But uh, as, as a whole, yeah, we got to get something figured out because if we do have to make sacrifices in the younger groups, then our younger kids aren't coming out. And then there's no interest and in sports as a whole is going right down the tank. Yeah, it's it's a slippery slope for sure. And so you you mentioned it when you're an official and you're first starting out. I mean, what's one of the first things you do? Junior high basketball, junior high volleyball. And if if the parents are vicious at that level, that's going to turn off that that young official before they can even have a chance to get their career started. So I agree. It's the, what do you, what do you do as an athletic director, Scott? You're obviously when you, when Jerome is at an event, um, home or away, there's always somebody from the school, a principal. Uh, sometimes it's you, sometimes it's to make sure that the students, the student body is respectful and under control. But what do you do about the adults? Are you, are you allowed to regulate that as an athletic director? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so it's funny because yeah, we have administrators at almost every game home and away and we monitor the crowd and I'll tell you what our student body. And, and I, I think I can say this for a lot of student bodies, not all, but they generally are not the problem. You know, they're just going to treat it like a big party. If anything that, that they're doing, um, it's more of a collective group, like, uh, you know, back to basics, you know, da, 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 whatever they're doing, that, that kind of stuff is what student bodies do. Student bodies aren't screaming personal stuff at an official. That's coming from parents and that's coming from fans. And so as an administrator, if we have that, then, you know, every school's different, but those people don't get to stay in the gym anymore. And, you know, if the officials are now getting a little bit more, I, they're, they're getting more trained to not put up with that crap anymore. But that's a double-edged sword because now all of a sudden they're paying a lot of attention to what's going on in the stands and not so much what's going on in the game. And then they can stop and say, I want you out of here. And then all of a sudden the administrator has to go get that person. It's a walk of shame. They are ejected. They're suspended for two games. They have to undergo an online test, um, a, a parenting test, so to speak. Um, and, and it's just, it's a, it's crazy, but yeah, as administrators, you bet, we will not put up with that at all. And, and I know that a lot of people um, that I'm friends with that are administrators are feel the exact same way. They, they tell their people, if you want to come to these games and you want to yell at officials, then you don't come to these games. Okay. That's ridiculous. You know? So yeah, the, the problem isn't so much the student body, the problem in the parents and the fans. Yeah. And again, we like, like a lot of these big topics, it kind of turns into a think tank and what are possible solutions? I, I think we've arrived at parents, unless it's going to be something positive, it's better to just not say anything, you know, cheer on the team, yeah. applaud, applaud your son or daughter and leave it at that. That's, that's the number one easiest way to make sure mm-hmm. um, officials stay motivated and in the game uh the the second part's a little more difficult the the money part i don't know i i, I feel like there's got to be some way that 
that there can be a fund uh, from the governing body of Idaho's schools kind of set aside for officials. Yeah, yeah it, it would be nice. It would be nice. Um, it's a necessary evil that we are going to have to shoulder. And that's just to come up with the money somehow. And, and you know, and that's going to mean what it does. It means, you know, saying no to certain requests from programs because the funding isn't there. Um, you know, it's, but you've got to prioritize. Do you want to have games or don't you? And if you do, then we got to make sure that we take care of the basic elements first. And that's the officials. So we're going to pay them. Now, if you want a new net or a new ball or something, I may have to say no, because I don't have the money for it, you know? And, but the thing is, prioritize and this is all about officials and we've got to make sure we take care of them somehow can't have a game without somebody to officiate it so um we'll we'll leave it there you i you i know you reached out to a lot of uh, uh district four commissioners uh across the various sports and there right. are certain specific things you know sport specific problems but overall the themes you identified i think can yeah well, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to leave this in a complete sour taste in everybody's mouth because we want officials. Yes. And, and I'll tell you, officiating is so much fun. It's it's you get a nice little high, a nice little buzz. You're right in the middle of the game. You know, you get your steps in, <laughs> you know, but you're involved and you're an integral part of the of the maturation process of these athletes and these students and and growing up you're a big part of their lives and these are valued professions or valued jobs that uh, we need and there's so much good in officiating that you know if you are out there and you are interested you want to try it then get a hold of you know your local athletic director and they can put you in touch with somebody but uh, you know this is kind of a plea to hey come out and give it a shot it's not as bad as we're probably making it sound, but those are the things that need to get fixed because that's, you know, the issues that we're having, but come out and give officiating a try. We need you. Yeah. At least give it a try. I've, I've umpired baseball in the past and I always had fun doing it. So um, yeah, it's definitely something that everybody should explore. Um, and, and we'll, we'll see, hopefully we're not having this talk again this time next year. Hopefully there's maybe some improvements and, machinations in place that'll help improve this but uh as always good discussion and again uh you know this doesn't apply just to the magic valley it's it's everywhere in the state of yep. idaho is running into the same thing so yeah um all right scott as always uh, nice job doing your homework and coming well informed well prepared and uh, we'll be back at it again next week to break down the, the biggest stories going on in the magic valley for for athletics Absolutely. And a big shout out as we end this thing to all of our umpires and officials that, that stick through it. Um, they are very much appreciated. So thank you. Yes. They uh, like the coaches get uh, too much of the blame sometimes when it comes to yeah. fan reaction. So, all right. Uh, again, magic Valley prep cast. We'll be back next week to break it all down again for Scott Burton. I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in on IdahoSports.com.